We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the K-State Wildcats from the guys of 3Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. 3Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, let's begin the show. Hello and welcome, everybody, into a very sad, very sad edition of 3Maw. We we hope this can be very therapeutic for everybody involved. Hopefully, uh, you all listening here as K-State falls uh, by one possession in the Elite Eight, one possession short of their first Final Four since 1964, and uh, one possession short of snapping what is now an eight-game losing streak in the Elite Eight. I am John Kurtz, joined by Cole Manbeck, former B writer for the Manhattan Mercury. Derek Young of K-State Online is here as well. The show is brought to you by Holiday Distillery. I'm sure there was a lot of drowning of sorrows in your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon or your 360 vodka. It's a good time for a lot of that. Good time for a lot of that. Could have used uh, a lot of that in the aftermath of that game. So make sure that you stock up there. They're hurting too, K-State people, K-State fans, uh, so make sure and support them. They support us, and uh, we appreciate it. You know, I, I must say, before we get going with all of this, and there's a lot of ground to cover here, I, I do have to say we need to raise our glasses of Ben Holiday bottled in Bond bourbon to a celebrity in our midst, which is Cole Manbeck, who went national after the game and, uh, you know, got... Got some love from not only the CBS TV cameras, but CBS Sports on uh, on Twitter. Cole, we, we had to just get it out of the way first. I figured that'd be the, the easiest thing. You know, we just get it out of the way first. You're, you got memed, basically, uh, after the game, and it was all because we had to move the seats right behind the basket with the students because we got hit by flying glass from the ceiling at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, so... Uh... So first of all, uh, it was it was actually a lot of fun sitting with the uh, the small K State student crowd. Made me feel young again. And uh, shout out to those guys that we hung out with and did the Wabash with and brought the energy and the arena. That was actually a lot of fun to be down that close. Even though we we probably technically got downgraded on seats, getting moved behind the basket. Like I remember a couple times I was asking you who shot that because I couldn't see uh, through the basket. But yeah, no, I mean I. Yeah, my phone started blowing up after the game. Um, like we said off air, 
we should have known the camera guy was going to find us because we were a couple of the rowdiest people um, that were around and he kept coming over to uh, to put us on camera. Uh, we were on the Jumbotron multiple times as well. I mean, we we're just trying to bring the energy and lift the team and uh, it was a very passionate, like I just wanted to get over the hump to the Final Four so bad that uh, I was willing to do anything. And Final Four has always been my dream to see K-State in the Final Four. So that was a a really crushing defeat. Like, I think I told you, John, when we were eating breakfast that morning of the day of the game, that winning that game would be the best sports moment of my life. And I've been to, like, nine Royals postseason games, grew up a diehard Royals fan, and they won all nine, including two World Series games, was at the Chiefs-Bills playoff game. You know, have seen some incredible sports moments, some great K-State moments. Was at the Xavier game and the double OT game. Was at the Michigan State game, obviously. But nothing would have topped uh, that win for me just because of how much I love this team, getting to a Final Four, taking my son to the Final Four. That would have been a a great experience. And so the cameras caught me, uh, unfortunately, in a a very sad kind of shocked state of mind because I've really felt, you know, usually D.Y. knows this. You know this, John. I'm usually the pessimistic, like, you know, I get anxiety, anxious, but like Saturday morning, I woke up Friday after the Michigan State game. Like, I really felt like they were going to get it done. Like, I I was not all that nervous. Like, I was nervous, but I just believed in this team and thought they would get us over the hump and uh, get to the Final Four, and they they deserved it. And so I was crushed and uh, crushed for the players, crushed for the coaching staff, and remain crushed to this day. I've been in uh, quite the state of depression for four days now this is wednesday morning we're recording this and uh that that's just so hard to get over well i'm, I'm with you too uh we'll see how dy fell here i i felt like it was different man i mean i really did like now i was trying to remember how i felt about the loyola game because i i certainly didn't believe in like team coach and program the way that i do now uh about that team but it was an 11 seed, so I was kind of like, I mean, this has to be the time they get it done, right? Um, but th- this was much more. I mean, Tang is different. I-, I thought that team with Noel playing the way he was was different. Like, I I, I had complete confidence that they were going to do it. I mean, down to the point where Ish Masood got the ball knocked away at the end, Cole, I kept thinking, like, we're here for a reason. We got moved two feet by, by this bench for a reason, so we're going to be 10 feet away from these nets getting cut. Like, that, like they're going to make a play. Like, And they they had the entire tournament. Uh, they always had the plays when they needed them at, at the end of the game against Kentucky and Michigan State. So I, I legitimately, in my brain, even as like nervous and pessimistic of a fan as I can be sometimes, I, I did. I thought they were going to do it. I thought they were going to figure out a way to make the plays and get it done. But they just didn't. They just didn't, Derek. It didn't happen. I, I thought they were before the game I guess in terms of just being soul crushing it's not on that level for me um some of that because I haven't gone through the same uh, trials and tribulations that you guys have had as Kansas State fans of course but uh yeah I'm just not quite and some of that's just because it's year one so I'm just like there's a part of me that says they shouldn't have been there to and to begin with probably and the best is probably yet to come so i'm just i'm not as crushed because because of that uh, yeah i mean for me it's like all it's trauma you know i mean it, for for the fan base as a whole you've now lost eight straight times in the elite eight and for anybody that was alive and old enough in 1988 to to completely comprehend what happens i mean i that that adds a completely different layer on top of it to lose to kansas obviously in the elite eight 
and see where the programs went from there. But, you know, I've now watched, I mean, I certainly thought that they were beating Butler in 2010. It was absolutely stunned when that didn't happen. And in that game, you're up at the under four timeout. I mean, it's just excruciating fashion. Loyola was the least soul crushing to me because again, that one felt so much like house money being a nine seed and getting all the way there and having a 116 in front of you. And you just, I mean, Loyola just kicked their ass. I mean, they were just never in the game. Um, this one, I mean, I definitely, it's not like I feel like they choked or like FAU, you know, was a bad team, but it was right there. I mean, it was right there and you had a, a missed layup, a missed dunk. You know, I mean, like the Desi play makes me sick to my stomach. He's going to throw, not only at that point is he going to score it, but he's going to throw a highlight reel dunk if he doesn't just bobble the ball and it's going to be an incredible momentum sort of play. Naquan had the one where he gets like stuffed at the rim. They missed a couple front ends of one and ones like Ish Masood was missing free throws and he's a great free throw shooter. I mean, it's just if you just clean up some of those little things right there, I mean, it happens. So that's 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 a part of what is so devastating. Now, I agree with you, D.Y., the, the competing ideologies here are do you fall back into K-State fan trauma mode and what's happened or do you I, I'm trying to let the prevailing thought for me be that I'm with you. The best is yet to come. I firmly believe that firmly believe that like I am some of this conversation with with my dad last night and I don't maybe this is strong maybe some will disagree with me on this but I don't I am at the point where I am as confident in Tang as I was in like Bill Snyder 1.0 I, they're gonna be good next year they're gonna be good the year after that as long as he's here they're gonna be good and they're gonna compete at the top of the big 12 and they're gonna give themselves chances in the tournament which especially now that we're seeing the tournament kind of turn into more of a crapshoot with mid-majors being closer to the Power 5 schools. Like, the, the key is just get there and give yourself as many advantages by being a high seed as possible every time. I think they're going to find a way to do it every year. We watched yeah. what did this year. I have that much confidence in them. So I am... That is amazing, and I love to have it. But at the same time, God damn it, I want a Final Four, and I've just been teased with it so many times at this point with teams that I love. It just is... It's soul crushing. It is soul crushing to get that close and not be all the way there. Yeah, I understand some things I wanted to touch on just uh, that you kind of jarred loose for me. I think part of the pain too is that the three, you guys obviously are well aware of three and are, have the greatest memory of the last three and all of those came against the mid-major, which probably feels like opportunity squandered even more because of that. With that being said, um, but that Butler team at pros on it really good. I think this Florida Atlantic team, not, not to make excuses, pretty good. I think there's a far cry between Loyola Chicago and the other two. So at the end of the day, that's the one that you really feel like you copped away, but at the same time, you didn't have Dean Wade, <clears throat> and that game wasn't even close. So it's really hard to rectify and take stock of all of that because of all the, the different angles that play into it. But at the end of the day, one of my biggest takeaways too and and I and this is going to be strong just like what you said you were strong you know and you said you kind of have the trust in him as you would Bill Snyder in the the first version the first go around in Manhattan it feels crazy to say but as long as you know let's say he coaches seven to ten years at Kansas State like I there's a part of me that would be stunned if they didn't reach a final four under Jerome Tang if, if you're giving me seven to ten years I would be I would bet my life that they're making a Final Four. Yes. I think the, uh, so the 2010 and this one hurt a lot because I think both of those teams had the potential to actually win the whole the whole thing. 
you know, you think about the 2010 team, John, I, as I looked at the final four and Duke and that Michigan state team, like that was a K state team that was talented enough to win the whole thing. And I wouldn't have thought that necessarily going into this NCAA tournament with this team, but the way that the bracket had fallen, um, you know, seeing Friday night with Alabama and Houston going down and, and seeing that it was going to be San Diego state that you're playing potentially in the final four, uh, you know, the opportunity existed there to potentially win the whole thing. And I, 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 I say this, it's easy for me to say now, like, I don't even know if I would have been all that disappointed if they lost on the Saturday of the final four. It was really for me, just get to that stage, get to that moment, be the talk of the country for another week, get to watch Marquise and Keontae and Desi and these guys do it another week. And, you know, with how viral this program has gotten with the marketing and the little baby stuff, like another week of that on social media and all the platforms and just how fun they are. Like I, I would just, really wanted that that moment for him and um just feel crushed for the way that it played out it uh it like i i no doubt i have no doubt that k-state is going to be an ncaa tournament team every year with jerome tang and this coaching staff moving forward i think they're always going to have an opportunity to make a run in the ncaa tournament they're going to be good as long as the staff is in place i completely agree with all of that the only thing i that is hard for me is as you guys know it's it's hard to get to the elite eight it's hard to get to that stage and you just look at what k-state had to do this year as a three seed they had to, to grind out really difficult wins against a six and a seven seed you know because it's hard to win in the ncaa tournament you look at all the upsets that occur you can be a great team like a ku like a houston like an alabama have a great great season and you don't even make the elite eight and so it, the tournament is such a crapshoot. It's so matchup driven and just one bad moment, foul trouble can knock you out. And that's, I think that's what really hurts is you played, you played over half that game without an all American on the court because of foul trouble. And, you know, I'm very, very confident that K-State would have beat FAU if Keontae Johnson plays his normal 38 minutes. I, I totally agree. I mean, that, there, there are a lot of things that really hurt if we're talking about the actual game, but the the foul that Keontae got very early where he got like hit in the eye and there's still a foul called on him. I mean, that's the one that really sticks because it it set the whole tone for that. And I mean, there's probably even a conversation to be had about how much Tang sat Keontae in the first half. I mean, here is a part this is a part of this, and I, I hate that this is where my brain was going, but this is exactly where my brain was going during the game. And I don't remember how much I even spoke of this to you, Cole, but like, which is probably partially because I had New York firefighters running to grab a beer every two seconds, walking across me in the seats that they set us in, uh, or a drunk Indiana fan who had a couple thousand dollar bet on K-State yelling behind me. But I digress. Um, God, now I just lost my train of thought getting completely angry. Foul trouble. What was I saying? Foul trouble. Foul trouble. Yes. Like, I mean, I, I just, if Keontae, if Keontae plays that entire, like, that that was the biggest matchup problem, right? Theoretically, that K State had to present to them, right? I mean, if if Keontae's out there the entire game, I feel like you know. And the other part, Cole, was how how quickly after he hit that three did he get foul number? Would it have been four at that point in time? Um. Anyway, okay. I remember where I was going with this. Now it's like I had little moments where I'm reliving past traumas in the game. So like when Keontae has his thing, I'm thinking. Well, here's Irvine, right? Here's Irvine, where Bruce just sits Barry Brown after two fouls. Um, 
at the beginning of the game when FAU really jumped out there and started playing well, Cole and I, this we were talking about, I was like, this feels like Loyola, man. I mean, this feels like we're we're just not the better team here. We thought we came in all confident, and now we, it looks like we're not the better side. And then, like, when they got the seven-point lead in the second half and started squandering that, I was like, well, now this is giving me, like, shades of Butler, where they kind of fought their way back into it in the second half, took a lead, and then lost. So, like, that's a part of the problem. You know, I mean, Tang doesn't have Tang and those players and all these guys don't have those same like memories of the past, but I definitely do. And so anyway, to tie it all back together, it's like with Keontae clearly being a huge difference maker and having to be saddled on the bench with foul trouble, I just thought like, oh, God, I mean, this is this is going to be it, right? This is this is your Barry, UC Irvine redo. Yeah, I just I didn't equate it to the Barry Brown, UC Irvine thing in terms of uh of the handling of it, the treatment of it, just because if I, I'm trying to remember, like you, you kind of tried to, I think, erase some of the, the the bad memories of the past few years as, as well. But I think UC Irvine was up by like eight to 10 points at a couple of different junctures of that first half, which is like, you you feel like your back's against the wall and you have nothing to lose. You might as well throw Barry Brown in back into the game at that point. Then it's the first round as well. It's like, we got to get through this and maybe, F. Dean Wade later in the tournament if he can you know a lot of those things are, are kind of going through your head at that point but um, I just didn't equate it to that especially since it was the Elite Eight Kansas State and I don't think that they ever really went down by that kind of deficit in the first half without Keontae Johnson it felt like it was like a at most a two-point deficit or a four or five-point lead a couple of different times. And I think they, they, they got up by seven. One. It was 31-24 and then 42-36, but yeah. You probably get tempted in those. But that, then again, I mean, Keontae picked up fouls every time. I mean, like, I don't I don't know how to change because he got those five yeah. fouls. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's You're right. The, You're right. That, that's the thing, B.Y., like he – yeah, with Barry, it hurt because didn't Barry finish with two fouls or three fouls? Like, yeah, three, I think yeah. maybe. Yeah, so like it, it hurts when they don't foul out, and you're like, well, you sat him that long, and he never even fouled out. You technically fouled him out as a coach with Keontae. Like, he played 18 minutes and had five fouls. Like, he got three fouls in about eight or nine minutes in the second half, and so it's just a, a lot of they were just fluky, man. They were they were fluky fouls. Like all three fouls in the second half were legitimate fouls. I think a very strong argument could be made that the first two in the first half were not. Uh, I know the first one wasn't. It happened right in front of us. Earl Walton just screwed the call up. Um, I don't. What, what, was, what was the second one, Cole? That's the one. It I was, uh, that was Mark. That was, no, that was probably more cases fault for trying to fit that pass in where there was no window. But that's when Keontae probably caught it, but then fumbled it and ran it to the guy for a charge. I, I just don't think you make – so he fumbled the ball. It was going to go out of bounds. Like, you swallow your whistle there. Like, you don't need to call – it's a loose ball. He doesn't even have the ball when the contact is made. The ball is going out of bounds. Just don't make the call. Yeah. Uh, but that was Earl Walton. Earl Walton, again, made that call. So You also, you also probably – just just because nothing good when it came with that pass, you probably don't make that pass. Either. No, I, I agree. Like, you probably – probably shouldn't have made the pass. There were, there were a couple moments in the game where K-State – tried to push things probably too much and they had a couple turnovers where they tried to get out and run and both times they were they were making like they were in the lead when like I remember the one where they got a stop and they tried to throw it down the court and overthrew it out of bounds right toward us and um there were certainly some opportunities to to really push that thing out like like John had said um you know you get up by 52 to 47 and I think they got four or five straight defensive stops 
And if you just that was when they were up fifty-two to forty-seven. I I actually had three what I thought was factors into losing that, but I know we probably need to go to a break anyway. Yeah, that that's true. We'll we'll go to we'll go to break. Yeah, I'm sorry, and I never I just blow right through the break. <laughs> stuff. sorry, sorry, uh, Jordan. Uh, we'll we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll get into uh we'll get into more of this trauma coming up next. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So I wonder, as we continue on with this conversation, Cole, we, we had a talk at one point about the legs and how much legs were really affecting them. I mean, I think clearly, like, some of these moments we're talking about, sloppy moments, like Naquan Tomlin had a dunk that I think if if it's the first game of the weekend, that's that's going in, but he didn't have enough, and he gets, like, rejected by the rim. I don't know if you could blame legs for, like, Desi's bobble, um, but, I mean, that one really hurt. There's, like, a... One of those lead passes got just out of the reach of Keontae, and I that's where I'd have to go specifically see it on the TV broadcast again to know what exactly it looked like because it was coming straight at us like behind the basket. So I don't have a great perspective for that, but I kind of thought, I don't know, maybe if that's maybe if that's Thursday, Keontae is able to actually run that down. Um, so there were just it felt to me like some of the sloppiness came from that. You know, Marquise tried a behind the legs bounce pass in transition that was ill-advised, but he, you know, he hit, he was hitting those against Kentucky and they looked amazing. So 
it's I, I can live with it, I guess. But it, it just, it's it's kind of sickening when you combine that with the the missed free throws and just w- what kind of missed opportunities were actually there because they were always at moments. What was the moment where I did see this last night when I was doing kind of an expedited rewatch of the game? you've got a chance to go out and extend maybe it was a five point lead at that point and someone misses a dunk or a layup and then on the other end it just bam right away turns into a three and it felt like that was always what happened when k-state had those moments to push it out to nine or seven it would be a miss it would be a turnover and then right away you knew it was coming fa that's when fau hit their threes they were so well timed uh to to keep the game from getting out of reach for them i I know the players kind of weren't wanting to direct legs or fatigue as a factor when I asked him after the game. But it certainly felt that way to me. And it kind of felt that way from the onset of the game where I was like, you know, Florida Lane clearly is a little bit more springing their step in this one. Um, Kansas State, those were usually not a decidedly difference in energy and, you know, speed and all of that. And I thought that there was for Florida Atlantic. Mind you, Kansas State had just played that overtime game two nights before with Michigan State. Florida Atlantic also played two nights before. They played after Kansas State and they played against Tennessee. Uh, did not go to overtime. They didn't have one single player play 30 minutes. And I just thought from an energy fatigue leg standpoint that it played a role. And you, we talked about some of those missed opportunities when you just miss on a few of those fast breaks where you just kind of throw it ahead. Is it a bad pass, or is it that if they had some of that legs and less fatigue that they're catching up to that ball in normal situations and, and slamming a hole? Naquan Tomlin was someone, and this is not a knock on him. He's a really good player, and he's going to be a very good player for Kansas State moving forward, but I thought it was most apparent with him in terms of legs. Like Getting up and down the floor was not as easy for him as it typically is. He couldn't get enough lift off the floor to slam home a dunk, which is typically the easiest thing that he can do on a basketball court. I thought those things were very powerful. Um, you know, the missed opportunities and a lot of the loose balls and offensive rebounds that Florida Atlanta grabbed. I think Kansas State's trying hard. I just don't, I think there is, they're a half a step or one step slow. And if it's an all of a game two days before, that's probably not as much of a factor. Uh, then you have two guys foul out, of course, and Keontae Johnson. I think David Gasson fouled out and fouled trouble as well. It's just not ideal. I mean, I don't think it was a coincidence that I thought the most peppiest point of the game was when Bebe got a run out because he, he sprinted through and got a steal um, and took it the, the length of the court and slammed it whole. I don't really remember, you know, Kansas State having that opportunity, you know, in any other case aside from the times that they threw it too far or didn't run or didn't have the legs enough to get under it and, you know, fumbled it or turned it over. That between the legs pass, Marquise Noel, is that a bad pass by Noel or would normally Tomlin be closer to the basket, you know, already because he's getting up and down the court and Noel knows exactly where he's going to be at the exact time that he gets rid of that ball. I thought I thought it was a big factor. I mean, it certainly seemed like FAU was quicker to the ball. Um, throughout much of the game. And like D.Y. said, they got a lot of the loose balls. Like you think about, you know, they missed a dunk in the game and then they got that rebound with under two minutes left. And then Gasson gets called for his fifth foul where he didn't touch the guy and uh, and fouls out there. And, and so they just, too many second chance points. I mean, 
you get out rebounded 44 to 22 by a team that starts four guards that's that's tough now fau is a good rebounding team they're top 20 in rebounding rate and i didn't give that enough credence um but they, that, that was big because i even thought about the game before where they out rebounded tennessee one of the better teams on the yeah. yeah they were they were quick to the ball and uh credit to them i mean yeah like they're they're a good rebounding team, and they got after it, but 44-22, that's just too much, and uh, you can't give up that many boards. You get outscored 15-2 to on second-chance points. Now, K-State gets 30 points off the turnovers. Like, if you would have told me going in that they'd turn FAU over 22 times and you'd outscore them 30-15 to on points off turnovers, I would have felt great, but then I wouldn't have expected to get out-rebounded 44-22 to by them. Uh, and you could tell early on in the game that Golden was going to be a problem for K-State and trying to defend him. I didn't know he was as good as he was. I don't think he was probably as good as he was throughout the season. He played really well in that game. But, like, K-State would try to put Ish on him, and Ish tried to front him, and they just easily lobbed it over him a couple times. And then they tried to back him, but they weren't strong enough to hold their ground to keep him from just backing guys down. And um, So he, he was a problem in that game. But, yeah, as far as, like, missed opportunities, I mean, you get up, you know, you, you mentioned DY the 52 to 47 and you got five straight stops, but you don't score. But then you still get it out to 57 to 50 and you, you they miss a three. FAU misses a three, but you don't get the rebound. And Noel deflects the pass, gets out of bounds. There's a media timeout. FAU comes out of the timeout. They score. They hit you with a 4-0 run. But then Naquan gets a three-point play and he puts it at 60 to 54. And where I started to feel like, all right, I get over the hump, was there at 60 to 54 and remember, Naquan blocks blocks Golden, and the ball goes flying out of bounds, and the arena is going nuts, and you, like K State fans are all going crazy. And then they come down, and you got a chance to get up eight or nine. And Desi misses a three. K State gets the offensive rebound. Naquan has a mismatch in the post, so he's calling for the ball right in front of us. And Marquise goes to lob it up to him, and probably a dunk. But John L. Davis reads it, leaves his man Desi, and runs over and picks the pass off. And it's a turnover, and what do they do? They go down and hit a three five seconds into the shot clock. John, you mentioned it. They had three threes in transition over a three-minute stretch where they they scored five to six seconds into the shot clock, just transition threes. They were very timely and uh, and sucked the air out of us. And uh, it was brutal because, I mean, K-State then pushed it back out to 63-57, but they just could never, could never get it extended far enough. If they would have just scored a couple of times – um, like in that five stop stretch when it was fifty two to forty seven, you score two out of five possessions. I, I think you win. Um, but yeah, just missed opportunities. Yeah, it would have it would have changed a lot of the context of the way that the the game was going at that point. Like really start to put some doubt into FAU, and then obviously, yeah, just the sheer the the sheer number of points that you had would have really changed things and how things were going down the stretch. So. Instead, uh, K State winds up being in scramble mode there, and they get they get close. Uh, a couple of decisions I did want to bring up down the stretch before we get into the the last possession, the next to last possession for K State. I'm trying to remember what what the time was at exactly when they got the ball. I know the the Tomlin lay in happened with like 8.9 seconds left, which we both all looked at each other and said like ah, I wish it was like a, there was a little bit more, you know, for two, three, four more seconds on the clock than that, but the decision to go for, to, to take the two there. Now, I know Noel, it seemed like on that play was kind of, you know, it'd be like a an RPO, right? Like he had, he kind of had the option to shoot it as he was sort of taking his step back. He saw Naquan free up. So like, I don't, 
really begrudge him for that. But it it is tough because just know when you basically got two shooters there who have been the guys like FAU is athletic and quick enough that it's going to be really tough, especially with the threat of them being able to foul up three. Like if they're going to hit their free throws, which they're a really veteran team, they're they, were they the oldest team in the in the tournament, at least one of the oldest teams in the tournament. It was just going to be a really tough putt to get a decent three off there at the end. So it just the, the way all that worked out kind of kind of sucked. Yeah, I probably at the time wasn't a supporter of the quick two there to Naquan um, Figueroa, but at the end of the day, I'm not sure that it mattered because you still had enough time at the end because they didn't foul to get a shot off for the tie. So I, I, I was okay with going for the quick two, but like you, John, so there was about 18 seconds left when Casey got the ball. And, uh, you know, I would have liked to have seen him score at around the 12 second mark because that leaves, you know, they're not going to foul you then. And of course, they didn't end up fouling you anyways, but you have more time scramble mode i was okay going for the quick two because there's a couple things maybe you get an and one um at the rim maybe they foul you you score you tie it up that way you extend the game either way by getting the quick two and fau had turned the ball over 22 times in the game so maybe you can get that steal and uh get a turnover and get a bucket and win the game that way Uh, but they made their free throws and then you know with six what 6.9 seconds left when K-State inbounds the ball after they made the two free throws. It just never really looked it, it didn't look like they were going to get a good look the way the play came out. Like Marquise was they weren't going to let him get a shot up. He could have gotten one up, but it would have been it wouldn't have been a great look. Now, he he given it was Marquise, it's a good chance he hits it, but they just didn't have a great look there that they were going to be able to get and they didn't have a timeout. And so, of course, I don't even know if they would have called a timeout cuz that would have given FAU the chance to talk about fouling. I don't but Credit to FAU. I mean, they they made they made some big plays and uh, withstood the runs that K State made and were able to bounce back. Yeah, I I think the the last thought that I will have on the and kind of a good transition here. And by the way, yeah, re- rewatching the uh, rewatching the last possession, I don't really have too much of an and like it sucks that Noel gave the ball up. But it does suck that. Well, it sucks that he didn't get a chance to take the shot. It sucks they didn't get a shot up at all, but FAU did a pretty good job defending it. Um, and even then, I mean, you're, you're playing for a tie. You've got two guys fouled out if you're going to overtime. Like, it, you were just – there were long odds. There were long odds at that point for something to work out. Another thing I'm trying to tell myself to really take solace in all of this is, like, I mean, look back on it. They got to play four games, and they were really the talk of the tournament. I mean, Marquise Noel certainly was the, the talk of the tournament. Like, this – in 2010, you, you definitely got a lot of run for the Xavier game, but, you know, it wasn't like Jacob Poland had completely taken over everything like Marquise Noel did here throughout this run. Um, certainly in, in 2018, that team did not have the same kind of pull, you know, throughout the tournament. This one, you, you've got the, the pregame locker room video just going completely viral. Um, you've got Noel becoming the darling of everybody. You know, you've got Isaiah Thomas talking about Talking about him on the the show with Ernie Johnson, like, you know, the broadcast and the off day where they're talking to Marquise about that. Like, you just, uh, Kevin Durant was tweeting about K-State. Trey Young was tweeting about K-State. Patrick Mahomes was tweeting about K-State. I mean, there was a lot to be gained here. Uh, I think uh, Curtis Seabolt, actually, from Sports Radio 810, I thought put it pretty well. It was like, look, I mean, K-State's sexy again uh, because of not just this season, but because of the tournament run here. And we already know how Tang was able to recruit based on selling nothing now they've got all this to sell Uh, i mean when we talk about the future being bright like i 
I, I think what they did, what they accomplished, how they did it, I mean, all that stuff is going to pay huge dividends down the road. It's part of the reason why, I would, you know, if you assume a seven to 10 year career at the very least for Jerome Tang at Kansas State, I think it's hard to not believe that they're going to reach a final four because I think it's, he's a hell of a recruiter without this. Now, as he said, it's, it's, he's selling a sexy program. Whereas, you know, eight months ago when he signed these three top 100 recruits with Cal Bridge, RJ Jones, and Day Day Ames, it was probably not a sexy program. When he got Keontae Johnson, Desi Sills, Bebe, Tyke Green, Cam Carter, Jarrell Colbert, um, David Gasson. It was it was not a sexy program. So he got all of that. He built an NCAA tournament team worthy of advancing to the Final Four. And Brad's playing for a national championship in year one without necessarily selling a sexy program. I think he he got it off saying that he was going to make it a sexy program, and now he's kind of came through on that promise. So you got you got to wonder what he's capable of now that he has. He could just say, "Here, here, what I did it already." Yeah, the the difference between the the 2010 game, which was insane, and I was there and covering the team, and this one is, it was Salt Lake City versus New York City, right, and Madison Square Garden, and so you've got one of the largest media markets in the world, and you've got Marquise Noel and K State on the back cover of the Daily News and the New York Post, and it was it was insane, like walking the streets of New York City on like Friday the locals shouting out the K-State fans like, you know, man, I love your team, love Marquise, love the K-State guys. Like being in, in New York City, it was it was really unique and special. And uh, what, what stinks about it is K-State has played some of the best Sweet 16 games that you'll ever see. And you have to play again in 48 hours. You don't have the chance to fully live it up as a fan. If that was the Elite Eight game that you played like that, like we'd have a whole week just embracing that the Michigan State game was one of the best games I've ever been at and it's one of the best games in the NCAA tournament in a while just two teams throwing punches and making plays and making shots and being it being at the game being in New York City John and Derek I didn't have a chance to fully like I enjoyed Friday I had a lot of fun but like we were doing like sightseeing stuff like I didn't have a chance to like you know just watch the clips and highlights and read all the social media stuff like i i didn't fully get to take it all in and i was like all right beat beat fau and all i'm going to do this week at home is rewatch both of those games on repeat every night with brody and we're going to have a blast and we're going to plan our trip to houston um and now it's like i don't even want to go back and watch the michigan state game because it just makes me sad about how it ended so that's that's the part for me I struggle with. I it'll ease the pain will ease with time, um, you know. And once basketball season's over, I'll start looking forward again and knowing that K State basketball is going to be great with Jerome Tang and the staff. I love these guys. I'm just sad we don't get to see Marquise and Keontae and Desi play again. It's a it's a special group, um, and I'm going to really miss them. And that they they brought me probably the funnest basketball season that I've had. Um, in my life so but the, the, the future is definitely bright to your point like they're uh they're gonna be uh recruiting dudes and i'm gonna be instagram stalking uh recruits again in the near future john uh transfer portal guys and and i i can't wait to see him play again it just sucks that we have to wait we're, we're now in that that doldrum where there's nothing for the next several months right because the royals suck i don't i don't they're not even trying so i can't get into baseball <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess to, to me, there's like a, a, we're all, we're all different in our personal situations. You, you are right. And, and there's going to come a point where I'll definitely be jonesing for it and really miss it. And I, I mean, I miss this team dearly. I going back and watching, doing kind of a quick speed through rewatch of the game last night. That was one of the big thoughts for me is I was like, damn, like th- this team was so fun to watch. And like, it, it, it's not that I didn't appreciate them at the time, but it is easy when you're in it and watching them on a regular basis to, in some ways, like take it for granted a little bit. Um, I mean, like that was just such a fun team with such fun personalities and just the whole story arc of their season. It was amazing, and I am I am so sad to see it go. However, th- for me personally, I'm like, I-, I had devoted so much time to this team and this run, and I've just had so much going on. Like, I needed a break. It, I was hoping it would come a week later. I need a little bit of a, you know, uh, get, get back to other things in life for a little while. Um, and and just the the tournament. I saw Tyler Dryling tweeted this, and I I thought it was great. The from the Kentucky game through the FAU game, it was whatever sixty minutes of basketball where no team ever led by more than ten points. So you're just you never. It was stressful as shit. Basically, is what that was. Like it was very high level stress. Even though two of the games were wins. There was no room for relaxing. And even that Montana State game, it was like you never, you couldn't feel really comfortable about it until the last couple of minutes. So it should, it has been, I mean, tournament runs are very, they take a lot out of you. I know that sounds ridiculous as a, as a fan, but like it takes a lot out of you. It was a, it was a really stressful run with a lot happening. And so like there is a part of me that's like, I just like relieved to be back to, to normal and not having to deal with the, the stresses that, that come with a tournament run. Great problem to have, and I would take it every single year. But that—that that is the the flip side of that coin. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely a mentally exhausting run. I mean, I was emotionally exhausted and taxed on Thursday night. I can't imagine what the players were um, after that Michigan State game. But yeah, the stress—the stress of those that two and a half hours of those games is uh, something that definitely takes its toll. But uh, it's well worth it in the end when you have the celebratory moments and those happy moments. And uh, it was. It was a lot of fun. I mean, one of the, the great joys for me this year is, you know, we went to every Big 12 home game. Obviously, you guys know this. I take take Brody to most, so we had an absolute ball. Like, it was one of the more fun years because of that, too, because he's old enough and fully embraces it and how great they are to him. But also, like, the last, the last few years with the way the seasons had gone, like, my dad and I always taught K-State basketball, and the last few years, like it was so frustrating. We didn't, we didn't talk about it a lot, but this year, every, the day after every game, we pick up the phone and talk for like 30 minutes to talk about the games. And that's, that's what this team brought back. Like we had a blast, like there was a restilled passion reinstilled into us to, to talk K-State hoops. And it was just so much fun. And so I'm, I'm so appreciative of that, that we have that sense of pride, that apathy is gone. And we're fully invested and bought in again. It, it hurts to care again, but man, it's fun to care again. Pretty well said. Yeah, pretty well said. Uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, and and uh, Cole, are you are you with me on that? The comment about like Steiner 1.0. Yes, that, that's 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 really what this what this feels like to me. Like I, I Steiner 1.0 was like, okay, great. You won 11 games last year. You. You came, you flirted with a national championship, but man, you're losing Michael Bishop and Darnell McDonald and Jeff Kelly. And, you know, how, how will you ever, oh, wait, 1999, it's, uh, you, you, you win 11 games again, right? Um, 
six yeah. times in seven years you win 11 games they just reloaded the the clip every single time it didn't matter yeah a- absolutely i'm completely with you on it like i you like we said after the kentucky game you compare the two clips of their opening press conferences when they took the job side by side and like they predicted they were going to get the job done um in emphatic fashion and look what they both did and and jerome did it in one year and again we said it's easier to do in basketball but uh, to do what he did in one year, this staff, when people were concerned in June, July last year, if they'd be able to put a team together with where they were at and to get these guys to gel so quickly and to instill his culture of what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's as close to Bill Snyder of the basketball version as you're going to get. I, I completely agree. K-State's here to stay. This is like Jerome Tang and this coaching staff are here. Speaking of uh, being here to stay, some some good news on that front uh, coming up next. A sports network for today's fan. KC Sports Network. Podcasts, YouTube, social media, live shows. KCSN. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Well, much to the chagrin of uh, Jeff Goodman, uh, Jerome Tang is not going to be the next head coach at the University of Texas. That instead will be Rodney Terry, who gets the job after leading Texas to the Elite Eight. And boy, you think K-State had a uh, just gut-wrenching Elite Eight loss for Texas to have had the lead that they did. Uh, against Miami and lose lose that game to Nigel Pack and company. That's that's pretty brutal as well. But Roddy Terry gets the job. I will be completely honest. I I've got nothing really against Roddy Terry. He seems like a really nice guy. I think he did a great job in a difficult situation this year. I'm not very confident that he's going to be the head coach there in three years or four years. Um, I, I'm not very confident in that. That this would be really like the right move, quote unquote, for Texas. But I'm sure they took some big swings behind the scenes, but I'm sure as hell happy as the way they went as, as a K-State fan when, you know, we had we had a lot of trepidation there for a while about the Texas job and what their interest level would be in Tang and what Tang's interest level would be there. Um, but now, you you know, you've made it through Texas Tech, you've made it through Texas. Uh, not that I think Tech was ever any kind of real serious threat, but uh, thing, things on that front are, are looking good so far. I guess I'll put it that way. For Rodney terry's sake i hope that he can continue to prove that he's the guy for the job because he does seem like a likable figure um hard to really dislike and root against but i feel similarly um that it's the decision that texas had to make him one that they were essentially forced into because of the success that he did have bob second in the toughest conference in america followed by an elite eight he won the big 12 tournament um it would 
or as part of that would have looked really bad if they had not picked him probably um it would have looked really bad so it's a move that they had to make and i'm sure like the contracts not a ton of compensation i'm sure the buyout's not unforgivable so i feel the same way he's kind of had to two chances to be a head coach already and drop the ball, so to speak, on each one. So it would not surprise me if we found out that maybe th- this run was predicated on the talent that they already had in the stable, and we'll see if he can build it up the same way because part of the problem is that all of those guys he just won with are all going to be gone. Yeah, I mean, who do they have coming back, D.Y.? They, they lose Carr. Is DeSue gone? And Timmy Allen's gone? think so Tyrese Hunter if he doesn't want to woof talk about a guy that <laughs> did not uh, live up he did play better late yep. yeah but man the guy cannot shoot the three ball like uh, it, he what did he shoot like 28 percent this year it, it's uh yeah that's I, I'm I'm happy for Rodney Terry I think they they had no choice but to hire him at that point um but you talk about an emotional roller coaster for him I mean they announced that deal what 24 hours essentially after they lost that elite eight game like it's hard to I'm sure he's thrilled to get the job but <laughs> if I was him I would have just rather been announced before they uh they lost that game because that was brutal and I well- or, or or becoming a millionaire 24 hours takes the sting off the loss yeah 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 i'm, I'm sure that sure that certainly helps but yeah that uh that at least keeps the coaching carousel from going right because if they go out and they hire i, I don't i don't know like i i think texas was trying to make a big swing at jay wright from what i understand but i don't think jay wright had a lot of interest in coming out of retirement or moving out of the northeast really um so i think you know, they were at a point where they had to hire Rodney Terry and I think it's the right move and, and hopefully it works out for all parties and, and they have success because yeah, if they went out and they hired like a, a Calipari, which I don't even, I don't think Calipari is a sexy hire anymore at this point, but if they had hired him, then, then you have Kentucky looking for a guy, right? And Kentucky's going to go hire somebody from a big program and that starts off the whole carousel. So I'm just happy we didn't have to deal with that. I'm glad that they put an end to it. They didn't leave any drama, John. They just, they made the hire right after the season ended. We didn't have any sweat in two weeks or anything. So I, I think that's for the best. Totally agree. Now, the question becomes on K-State's end, you know, what, what are you going to do in terms of raising Tang's salaries, everybody else's salaries? We still haven't heard for sure on what, what is going on with football when you kept Colin Klein from Notre Dame. I, it's going to be an interesting offseason from that standpoint to see how, how all of that goes down. But, I mean, I think the more pertinent and exciting part of it all is going to be what do they what do they do in the portal? And portal season should be really fun this year, knowing what it is that they have to sell. Uh to probably go get a point guard, a wing scorer, and I, I don't what is is that basically the the two main things on the list right now to go get out of the portal? I know they're gonna be looking at, at three spots at least, probably. Yeah, right now it's two. Um because you're losing five technically and you got you assigned three high schoolers, so the number is two. And you just kind of await if if you have that, you know, guy enter the portal that everyone typically has at least one. We'll see if Kansas State has one so far. They do not. Um, Ish Masood probably has a little bit of a decision to make in terms of, you know, he could probably play overseas if he wanted. He could, you know, 
it's a COVID year. Like he's already played four years of basketball. His best friend on the team was Marquise Noel. So you just wonder where his head is at in terms of playing another year in Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, I think they go that uh, they should be as sexy of a spot for a point guard in the country, right? I mean, the freedom that Marquise Noel was able to play with and the show that he put on in the tournament. I would think any point guard in America would want to play for Jerome Tang and the staff after watching that. So I, I would assume that they'll be a very attractive spot for a very good point guard, and that's what they'll want to go get because you don't want a, a freshman trying to lead the show, and I think they want to keep Cam Carter off the ball mostly at the two. So go get a, a really talented point guard in the portal, and I, I agree, John, I think you need a wing, another score type, like a Keontae. You're not going to get another Keontae Johnson, but a guy that can score the basketball at the wing, and then we'll see if another spot opens up. If somebody else chooses to leave, you know, you add a third guy in the portal. We know that Jerome Tang, when he was recruiting, because we asked him at Big 12 Media Days clear back in October if they were going to sign another high school guy after they'd signed three, and he said no. Like, they they needed the right mix of youth with veterans. And so it makes me think, like, there, there's probably a good chance they end up with three portal dudes, but... I'm not going to speculate on on anybody necessarily leaving. I I, I know, like you, you talk to people around the program, you know, moving forward. I think Taj Manning is a guy that's really going to be a good piece for this team moving forward. Like I don't think you know rebounding was a problem this year, right? And Jerome told us at media day in October that rebounding was he what he was hoping was going to be the staple of this team and this program. I don't think it's going to be a problem next year. I think Taj Manning between Taj and Michaela Bridge, who's coming in as a freshman, you know, Tomlin back, David Gasson, getting stronger, Jarrell Colbert. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think rebounding's gonna be just fine. So but I, I just I'm telling you, I'm I'm looking forward to watching Taj Manning guys. Uh, the buzz the buzz on him and some of these guys coming back. It, it's exciting to see and what Naquan can do. Like what what can Naquan do with another 10, 15 pounds another year? of going through a full off season, going through the grind of big 12 play like Naquan. Naquan could be a, a first team, all big 12 guy next year. He's going to be that go-to guy. Here's the, my takeaway, because we don't necessarily know who they're absolutely going to chase. The names out there are floating around. I don't know if there's anything necessarily to it. There, there's some that makes sense more than others, of course. But what I would say is Kansas State was really based off of having two All-Americans this year and a solid supporting cast around them that wasn't necessarily all that deep because you're still trying to build out the bottom end of your roster to have a program rather than just a one-year blip. You had three guys redshirt. So going forward, I think having two All-Americans at the same time is pretty difficult. I'm not saying it won't happen again, but guess what? Kansas State was the only team in the country to have that this year. So not necessarily something that is easy to duplicate. What I think we see of more of going forward is that they're more talented across the board, one through 13, more guys can get on the court. This year, you know, your rotation sat around seven or eight for the most part, yet you know, three or four guys playing 35 or more minutes a night that, that could have been a factor in the Elite Eight loss to Florida Atlantic because you played an overtime game two, two days before Florida Atlantic didn't play anywhere over 30 minutes. So I think moving forward, you're probably going to have a roster and a rotation that's more talented across the board. It could probably mitigate those effects a little bit more too. Yeah, they're they're just going to be far more balanced moving forward. Whereas you know here it was so heavily tilted towards Noel and and Keontae and and that's you know I mean if you wind up in an NCAA tournament game, 
in the Elite Eight and one of your better play, one of your starters gets two fouls in the first five minutes of the game, you you theoretically are in a better position, right? Because, I mean, I think we all sort of agree that was one of the death knells of K-State to get Keontae in foul trouble. They should be able to withstand that a lot more. And, like, when I think of Baylor teams that have been great here in the last five to ten years, I just think, like, they, they just throw waves of dudes at you. You know, I mean, they've, they've just got guys everywhere. Just, just think of Texas. Just I know they lost the Elite Eight as well, but they lost Dylan DeSue. Right, they didn't have him. What happens? They just throw in Christian Bishop. Like, yeah, they need a break. Yeah, and I mean, on the on the transfer portal front, guys, I, I think they're going to be really patient. Like you pointed out, Dy, there's not a lot. Of, like, there's a lot of dudes in the portal, but there's not a lot of guys that like I get all that drawn to right now. Right, like you guys were asking me, like, when am I going to start like stalking on Instagram the, the portal guys? I only have like two guys I've followed so far. Yeah, like. I remember last year there was at one point at the same time there was what Antoine Davis, uh, Sule Boom, Keontae Johnson, I think two others where it just seemed like these eight plus five star high profile guys you want to get right now. I don't. Well, is there, is there anyone there? Maybe no. Quincy Oliveri from Rice, Severe Wheeler, Kentucky. They all have a little bit of flaws though, right? Yeah, I, I think so. You remember we had Tang on, we had Coach Tang on, and um, it was a couple weeks after he was hired and. He talked about how they were going to be patient in the portal because some of the best dudes in the portal don't enter until later in the process, right? And that'll be different now that we have windows, though. Right, right. Now I just remember, like, right after he said that, Kendrick Davis entered the portal uh, from SMU, and then now he's at Memphis, uh, and he's one of the best guards in the country. Uh, there's going to be more talented guys enter over the next week or. In 10 days and then they'll probably have a better idea I, I think they also this is me speculating but i think they probably as a staff because of their relationships across the country have a general idea of some of the guys who may be entering the portal still that haven't yet so they can be patient with the process and they're not going to rush into the guys because who they get is going to be very critical to the success of this team moving forward we know they're big culture guys like they they got to get the right pieces they can't just be talented dudes. They got to fit in that locker room. That's big to Jerome Tang and the staff. And so they got to, they brought guys in on visits last year, as you reported, D. Wyatt. I think some of them just weren't weren't takes because they, they didn't really mesh with what they wanted. I was just trying to think of some high-end guys last year that we heard about that just just isn't there yet on that level. I mean, we, we mentioned Keontae Johnson. We mentioned Sule Boom, Kendrick Davis. What about Sherfield that went to Oklahoma? And I know this guy didn't play, but Isaiah Mosley that went to Missouri. Uh, Tyrese Hunter at the time. That was a big thing. Um, if, you know, Dewan Harris would have left or Chris, or not Christian Brown, but Jalen Wilson would have left. I mean, Tyrese Hunter probably goes to KU. So there were, you know, very prominent names in the portal last year that, you know, we're a week or two into it. There's a few but it's Kev, Kevin McCuller, D.Y. Jordan, Kevin McCuller. I mean, he was like a, he was like number seven in the transfer portal rankings. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, yeah, we're, I'll be, a, I think, you know, the portal's open for a little bit longer. I'll be interested to see who else comes in, but I, there's just no must. I don't think there's any must takes. What, uh, what, what is the, remind me, D.Y., our listeners, what's the transfer window? Like when's the deadline? I don't know what the deadline is off the top of my head, but I think it was, is, is it a 60-day period? I'm not sure. That sounds about right. So, okay. Yeah, look, they, they 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 were patient last year, and now they have actual legitimate people who look from the outside and look in and say, you have reason to be patient now, whereas perhaps 
you didn't really have as much last year, and they still wore right. it out anyway. So you might only have two spots. Yeah. What's that? And you might only have two spots anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So you be patient and you wait for studs. Yeah. You you wait for studs that that you can add to this group because I mean, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this throughout the offseason and all that. But like what the, the huge storyline to me is going to be like internally from the team. I guess two things. One, is Tosh Manning really as good as everybody is saying he is? Uh, because we know like Chris Kleiman has a tendency to over overdo it when talking up his guys, although some of that has wound up coming to fruition. Like, Will Howard is the, the biggest example of that that gets brought up, and eventually that did work out. But I just, we we don't really know. You know, this is our first experience with, with Tang and company and how they talk somebody up internally, and we'll see what the actual results of that are going to be. And then the, the other one is Naquan. I mean, I just, because you're right, Cole, unbelievable potential through the roof, but how, it, you know, when you talk about, like, he needs to be the number one scorer next year, mm. We'll see. I mean, I, I love the guy. I believe in his potential, but I, we're going to need to see that happen. I guess I, I'm going to need to see that with my own two eyes. If he's le- legitimately going to be the the go to guy, as opposed to pulling someone in out of the portal, it would be that. I think yeah, there's a there's a fine line here, and that sometimes we kind of lose sight of saying that Taj Manning's going to be an All Big Twelve player does not mean that uh, Taj Manning's going to be an All Big Twelve player next year. It might be three years from now. You got, you, so he, he's, I don't think they're over delivering on that. But Taj Manning might only be a ten to fifteen minute guy next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to overpromise on like Taj. Like, I don't want to put ridiculous expectations on him. Uh, I know, like when we did, when I did the Marcus, the pod with Marcus Noel, and he mentioned going, you know, Taj being in the NBA in three or four years. I love Marcus. Like, Marcus very well could be right. I just don't want to put that type of pressure from my own expectations on him. Um, but I'm excited to see him play because as soon as Marcus said that, I saw a tweet from David Gasson like within 24 hours about how he's going to be a problem next year. And you talk to the coaches and they talk about how, you know, he goes up against Keontae in practice every day and he's, he's so tough and has, you know, it's been difficult and guard and practice too. And look, I spent a, I spent a lot of time with, uh, with Taj's dad over the week in New York city and love talking to, to Lauren. So, um, you know, we were, we had a great time visiting after the win against Michigan state. And, uh, so, yeah, I don't. I don't want to put too unrealistic expectations. Like, and when you go to Naquan, John, like people we talk to, like he shoots it better in practice um, from three than maybe what he did in the games. But like, I think he can be a good three point shooter because you watch him at the free throw line. He's a seventy five percent free throw shooter, and you know that's over a hundred attempts. So I think if you shoot the ball well from the free throw line like that consistently, I think you can be a good shooter. And so. The thing that he has to develop is the mid-range game as well. Now, again, I know people say, oh, the mid-range shot's the worst in basketball, but with his ability to drive mismatches, with Naquan this year, it was either he shot a three or he went all the way to the rim. Like, there was no back-to-the-basket game. There wasn't really any, like, pull-up, shoot a 12-footer, right? When a guy's on his heels, he went all the way to the bucket. If he can start to just throw that into the mix, which I think they'll work with him on, he's going to be such a difficult guard. Yep. Yep. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I believe in the dude. I think he's going to be much better next year, but it's, I'm still leery. On, like, I just, I want them to get scoring punch out of the portal, I guess. Like, I, I yeah. want them to get scoring punch out of the portal to feel really good about it. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, I think they will. Like, I, I, and I think point guard has to be the number one priority and then a scoring wing. And DY mentioned Severe Wheeler. Look, we'll have, we'll have more time to, to get into that. I, I think Wheeler could be a fit, certainly, um, with his ability to distribute and attack. 
we'll see what they decide to do. I think they're going to be patient. So we'll, we'll get a better idea over the next couple of weeks, how they're going to go about this. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, I think that's, that's about it. It's going to wrap it up here for, uh, for this year pod. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm sure. Uh, appreciate the work of Jordan foot behind the scenes as always. Thank you to Holiday Distillery for supporting this podcast. Get your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon. Get your 360 vodka. Make sure you support those who support us. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another free law. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.